0: Well it's a great joy and privilege for me to be here amongst you in just a few minutes. you'll uh, get used to my accent and uh, hopefully understand what i 'm saying I'm from. As you can hear, I 'm not a Geordie, I 'm from South Africa and um, born in South Africa and uh, I have, uh, let me tell you a little bit of my background so that you know who I am, especially those who are guests or visitors, and if you are a guest or visitor, very warm welcome. It's lovely to have you here with us this morning. It really is. Thank you so much for coming and uh, being with us. My name is Martin. I'm married. I'm married to one wife. One needs to say that nowadays. I'm married to one wife, and uh, we have two uh, daughters in their 20s, and uh, the one is studying at Bible college, she wants to do ministry. When she said to me, she said, her name is Catherine and uh, she studied radiography and she practiced. And then she said to me, she wants to do ministry. And I said, my sweetheart, do you understand what that's all about? She said, dad, I know what it's about. And uh, having been brought up in a pastor's home and uh, she's at Bible college. And my second daughter is uh, teaching and tutoring. They both live in Cape Town. My wife and I live in Johannesburg and uh, we've been in the pastoral ministry for almost 40 years, and the last 28 years, my wife and I have planted a church, uh, much like St. Joseph's, started six years ago, we planted a church 28 years ago, and uh, we've seen that grow, and then we started a school, uh, which was uh, part of the church, so we used the same property, it was multi-purpose, and um, so we have the school, we have the church, and uh, then a few years ago, about 10 years ago, we started a, a significant mercy ministry. Uh, we're in Midrand, which is a very middle class suburban area, very multiracial, which has been wonderful. And um, next to Midrand is a place called Tembisa, which is a township, and that is historically black and uh, much more working class. And uh, so, uh, 12, 14 years ago, we said to ourselves, here we are in Midran, the Bible says, love God, two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor. And we said, who is our neighbor? Well, our neighbor is Tembisa. And so, we did a survey, one of the great needs in that area was education, and uh, we, had, we said, well, if we've got some expertise, let's use it to, to start a preschool, and that's grown into a primary school. And uh, so that's been one of the great joys in my life, to see the gospel grow. And uh, Jesus, his name, grow in Midrand and in Tembisa. So that's, uh, that's, that's a little bit about me, a bit of my background. I come up to Newcastle about once a year, normally in November. So it's lovely to be here in June, where there's actually sunshine. So I, for many years, I didn't know that the sun would... Uh, son actually is in Newcastle, but I've discovered it is being here in June, so it's been wonderful to be here, and um, I've been coming to JBC and uh, Holy Trinity Gateshead for many years, and lovely to be here with you at St. Joseph's. If you could turn to that passage that was read to us earlier on, we're just going to look at one of the verses, and uh, just keep it open, Uh, John chapter 4, page 888. in in your Bibles, and I'm really just going to look at verse 13. Let me read it, let me pray, and then we'll uh, dig into God's Word. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, let's pray. Father, for all of us we've had a, we've had a long week and many things have consumed our attention much as Amy shared with us her family and she like All of us have been busy and running and rushing around, and we pray, Lord, that as we meet here this morning, that we will sense your peace. We pray that you will quieten our hearts and our minds. And we pray, Lord, that you will focus our thoughts on your word, on yourself, on the things of God. We pray that you... And your word and your spirit will wash over us and will refresh us. And we will once again know that water that never runs dry. So Lord, meet with us as we sit under the authority of your word. Speak to us through your word and by your spirit. And we pray this for Christ's sake. Amen. Some years ago, I I quite often ask people whether they'd uh, come to church, and some years ago I uh, uh, spoke to a gentleman, and uh, he was an acquaintance, and and I invited him to church, and uh, he said to me, uh, he said to me, why should I bother? And um, I can't actually remember how I answered his question, Um, I probably... So I normally think of the right answer 24 hours later. I don't know about you, but that's me. I think of the right answer 24 hours later. I can't remember what I actually said, but I, it, it, it got me thinking to the question, why should we bother with Jesus? Because in a sense, that's what he was saying. Why should I bother? Why should I bother with Jesus? And so I put my mind to it as to why we should bother with Jesus. And I want to share with you three things. There are many things But let me share with you three things as to why we should bother with Jesus. Amy was asked why why bother with Jesus. Let me try and uh, she answered that in such a beautiful way and a lovely personal way. But let me try and give you three reasons which are from the Bible as to why we should bother with Jesus. First reason we should bother with Jesus is because it's true. Now you need to know, I've never seen God, I've never seen Jesus, I've never seen visions, except when I've had flu, I've never heard voices, I've never seen God. I'm normally in the wrong place at the wrong time. Chances are that if I had lived 2,000 years ago in Palestine, I would have seen Jesus, I would have seen God. You see, it's true. It's objectively true. The idea of Jesus is not just an idea. It's objectively true. It's historically true. Jesus appeared on planet Earth 2,000 years ago, and we have a record of that in the Gospels. We know that it's true. Some time ago, a friend of mine was at a birthday party, and he was talking to a well-educated man, and the well-educated man... uh, um, learned that my friend was a pastor, was a minister. And he said to my friend, he said, you know, I've been looking for God for years. And my friend said to him very wisely, he said to him, well, you must have been looking in the wrong place. Because if you want to find God, if you want to find Jesus, you need to go to the record that we have, the original documents. We have the source documents the historical documents of the person called Jesus, who was here, who lived 2,000 years ago on planet Earth. And that record is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the first four books of the New Testament. And what we have in those four books is the source documents of the Christian faith. So if you want to find out a little bit about the Christian faith and find out what it's all about, don't Google, Google is not the place to go. Because you know as well as I do, there are good things there, but there's a lot of rubbish. If you want to find out about Jesus, go to the Gospels. Read through John's Gospel. Because John was there. John was one of the twelve. He heard Jesus. He saw the miracles. He was with the mother of Jesus at his death. He saw the resurrected Jesus. If you want to meet Jesus, read the Gospels as he walks off the pages of John's Gospel. Do you think it's possible that Jesus could have been anything other than the Son of God? Because he said some most amazing things, like verse 13. He said amazing things, extraordinary things. He said, notice again, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. I mean, those are extraordinary words. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I, my words, if you listen to my words, you will have eternal life. You will have eternal water, spiritual water, life-giving water for eternity. And it's not only for you here at the well, this lady. It's for all ages. It's for all centuries. It's for all nations and peoples and tribes and languages. The words I speak, if you listen to my words, if you drink in my words, you will never be thirsty again. I mean, those are extraordinary words. I mean, imagine if I said that. If I said to you, listen to my words, if you believe my words, it will last, it will quench your thirst for all eternity. It will give you eternal life. You will think to yourself, I must speak to Ben, because that man called Martin from South Africa is not well. (laughs) We really need to get him to a doctor, and he needs to be placed under strict observation, because no human being can make that kind of statement. It's an extraordinary statement. If I said to you, my words will last for all eternity, my words will be life, And quench the thirst of billions of people through thousands of years. You really would think that this man from South Africa is not well. But Jesus makes the most extraordinary statements. Do you know that he said, I and the Father are one. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. My dear friends, no ordinary person can make those kinds of statements. You see, we only have three options when it comes to Jesus. Many people say he was a wonderful man, he was a wonderful prophet, he was a wonderful teacher, he was the greatest human being who ever lived. My dear friend, that option is not open to us because no wonderful man or teacher would say the things Jesus said. He was either a liar, or he was a lunatic, or he was a Lord only those three options there is no other option the option of him being a wonderful man wonderful example is not open to us because no wonderful person would say the things that Jesus said do you think it's really possible that he could be anything other than the son of God he said extraordinary things but he also did extraordinary things and when you read the source documents when you read the gospels you discover some of the extraordinary things he did. On one occasion you may remember he was with his disciples on Lake Galilee. They were in a boat. There was a storm. The wind came over the lake. There were mighty waves. There was uh, wind. There was, perhaps there was lightning and thunder. And the sailors, the disciples who were all sailors, thought they would drown. And there they discovered Jesus fast asleep at the back of the boat. He was exhausted. And they woke him up. And he stood up and he raised up his hands and he said peace be still and instantly the wind and the waves stopped. Now normally when the wind stops it takes a few hours for the waves to stop. They stopped. And the disciples were terrified not at the storm but it's someone who can speak to a storm and it stops and it listens. Now, if you think you are God, so sometimes we all think we if you think you're God, I would challenge you when there's a storm here in Newcastle and the wind is blowing, there's rain, there's hail and uh, the water's pouring down, I challenge you, here's a challenge, I challenge you to go outside, lift up your hands and say, peace be still and see what happens. Just two clues. Number one, take an umbrella. Number two, see that no one is watching. Because nothing will happen. Do you think it's possible that Jesus could be anything other than the Son of God? On another occasion, he was walking with his disciples. And they came across this funeral party. Where this widow, she had lost her husband. And then her only son had died. And they were about to bury Uh, her son and Jesus came across them and with compassion he stopped the funeral party as they were going to bury the son and the scripture says he had compassion on her and then he knocked on the coffin and he said young man rise and the young man rose extraordinary because of my job I have been at hundreds of funerals, hundreds, I've taken hundreds of funerals. It has never occurred to me to knock on the coffin and tell the person to rise. And the main reason is I hate to be embarrassed. That's the main reason. Do you think it's possible that Jesus could be anything other than the Son of God? Think about this, why is human history divided between B.C. and A.D.? There's one man called Jesus. Do you think there would have been any remembrance of him if he had merely died on a cross? Tens of thousands of people died on crosses during the Roman Empire. No, we remember him because of his resurrection. Jesus lived, Jesus died, and God physically raised him from the dead. And that's what we sung about, the resurrected King. Why should we bother with Jesus? Number one, because it's true. Number two, we should bother with Jesus because of the kind of people we are. We are people who need to be forgiven. And if you are honest with yourself, you know that is true. All of us know that we are people who need to be forgiven. We know that we haven't lived right with God. We know that we haven't lived right with others. Think of some of the things you've done and said to your parents, to your siblings, to your children, to your colleagues. Think of some of the things that you and I are embarrassed about. We hope no one knows. We are people who know that we need to be forgiven. And the Bible says that basically we are sinners. We are sinners from birth. Now our culture doesn't like that concept, but it's true. We are sinners from birth. If you're a parent, perhaps now a grandparent, do you have to teach children how to be naughty? Do you have to teach them how to be naughty? No, from three months old, six months old, they know how to throw a temper tantrum. You spend 20 years, 30 years, Teaching them to do the right thing. Why is that? Because we are born sinners. My two daughters, they, they, um, they were beautiful and we loved them and they were cute when they were born. But they were not innocent because they had their mother's genes. Um, and their father's. Now there may be someone who's, who's here who says, well I'm not sure that everyone is bad. I think everyone is good. Well, let let me ask you that question. Let me then ask you the question, why did you lock your car when you came inside? Why did you lock your home? Why do you have household insurance? Why do you carefully look after your things? Everyone is not basically good. But then you may say to me, but Martin, I'm, I'm basically a good person. And uh, I wouldn't say so publicly, I'm too English to do that, but um, I'm basically a good person, I'm a nice person. I'm certainly better than my neighbors, I'm certainly better than my wife's family. Um, Let me ask you this question, if we made a video of your life, and we were gonna show the video on the screen here, this morning, while everyone's here, and we make a video of of your life, and they're different channels, So there's there's an action channel, and we show that. And then there's a word channel, all the things you've said. Think about that, all the words you've said appears there and everyone hears it through the loudspeakers. And then there's a channel of all your thoughts. And everyone can see. Here's the question, would you stay? I would find the main switch and switch it off. Because we are not basically good. Jesus said the fruit is corrupt because the tree is corrupt. What did he mean? He said we are sinners, not because of what we do. We are sinners because of who we are. By nature, we have rebelled against God. We have rejected God. By nature, we want to be our own God. So when we talk about sin, the heart of sin is autonomy. It's independence. It's rebellion against God. It's saying to God, I don't need you. I don't want you. Get out of my life. I will make my own laws. I will make my own worldview. In fact, I'll be my own God. That's the heart of sin, independence, autonomy. And that's the nature of human nature. But you may say, I'm not as bad as other people. You really should meet my neighbors. You really sh- should, should meet that colleague that I have to work with. You really should meet my mother-in-law. I'm not as bad as other people. How would you rate these people out of 10? Some of you may know the name Billy Graham. He was a great evangelist. What would you give him out of 10? 7 out of 10? 8 out of 10? Mother Teresa, some of you will remember. Mother Teresa working in India um, with uh, dying people on the pavements. What would you give Mother Teresa out of 10? 8 out of 10? 9 out of 10? What would you give Adolf Hitler? Minus 10. Minus 20. The problem with all of them, it may be eight, it may be nine, it may be six, it may be minus 20. The problem with all of them is that none of them can touch the stars. That's the problem. Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God demands 100% and who of us reaches 50% let alone 100%? If sin was the color of blue... Think about this, it's quite a strange thought. If sin was the color of blue, every aspect of my being would be in some shade of blue. My mind, my emotions, my will, my feelings, my heart, would be in some shade of blue. Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We know we're sinful and God knows that we're sinful. Well, of course, God knows all things, but God knows that we're sinful, and God took action to save us and rescue us from our sinfulness. That's why we bother with Jesus, because of the kind of people we are. And Jesus came. He didn't come for good people. He came for people like you and me, who realize we're not good. And he took the punishment. He took the judgment. He took the wrath of God that you and I deserve for rejecting him when he died on the cross. So when he died on the cross, you remember he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that very moment, God the Father turned his back on God the Son and he poured his judgment, his wrath, onto Christ, the perfect man, God, who never sinned. Not for his own sins, but for the sins of people like you and me. He died in our place. He died as our substitute so that we will not face the judgment of God and the wrath of God if we trust in Him. That's why He came. He came to die a substitutionary death. There's a story of an old American Indian tribe where in the village um, every two or three nights some chickens were stolen and they couldn't find out who was stealing the chickens. And uh, so the chief said, finally, after searching and searching, he said, when, when the thief is found, he will get 50 lashes for stealing chickens. And one night, they, they found the thief. And it was obvious he had chicken feathers in his hair and his clothes. They brought him into the chief's tent. He was covered with a, with a blanket. The chief sat on his seat. They provided the evidence. And then they took the blanket off the thief's face and head. And it was the chief's son. What would he do? He said, 50 lashes. And they tied his hands to the post. And as they were about to strike him with the first lash, the chief jumped off his seat and wrapped himself around his son. And he took the lashes There were three crosses, remember? One of the crosses, we know the name of the person who would have been on that cross. You remember his name? Barabbas. He was meant to be there. But Jesus took his place. Jesus died in place of Barabbas. Barabbas deserved that judgment, that wrath. And the truth of the matter, my dear friends, is that you are Barabbas and I am Barabbas, we should have been there, and Jesus took our place. Why should we bother with Jesus? Number one, because it's true. Number two, because of the kind of people we are. Number three, because life is so short and uncertain. You may be new to this church. You need to know that the death rate in this church is one out of one. So if you don't like that, you may need to find another church. But that is the death rate in this church. Most people don't like to talk about death. Woody Allen uh, famously said that he's not scared of death. He doesn't mind uh, death, but he just doesn't want to be there when it happens. People deny death. People don't want to talk about death. And yet life is so short and so uncertain. My dear friends, we do not know whether you and I will be here next week. Life is very short and very uncertain. Suppose it happened today. People of your age in England will die today. People of my age in England will die today. Suppose it happened today. Suppose you were standing before God the great creator, the great judge of all the earth. What do you think he will say to you? Think about that. Imagine if it happened today. What would he say to you? Would he say to you, Ben, it is so, so lovely to have you home. We've been looking forward to this day. Welcome, come inside. Or would he look at you and say, I don't think we've ever met, have we? What is he going to say if you were to stand before him today? Why should we bother with Jesus? Number one, because it's true. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. Number two, because of the kind of people we are. We are people who need to be forgiven. Number three, because life is so short and uncertain. Wouldn't today be a good day to turn to Jesus and bother with Jesus? Perhaps you've been on a journey, as Amy was talking You've been coming here a while, or perhaps you knew, but you know that in some way or the other, God has been leading you and guiding you. And God has been placing questions within your mind. And even this morning, as we've been singing and praying and reading God's word, you have known God pressing in upon your heart and your spirit. Wouldn't today be a good day to finally stop ducking and diving and bother with Jesus, the King? How do we do that? How do you bother with Jesus? Perhaps you say, yes, Martin, I do want to. Well, you do that by talking to him. And we talk to him in prayer. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and let's pray. Perhaps you have felt God pressing in upon your heart and your mind today. Perhaps you know that today is the day you actually need to cross the line. You need to take a step. And you do that by talking to God. I'm going to pray a prayer and you may want to echo the words I pray. I'll pray it slowly. You may want to echo those words in the back of your head. It's very private. It's between you and God. But if you want to get right with God. You pray these prayers. Now you may not be ready for that. And we do understand that. But if you do want to get right with God. Then you echo these words in the back of your head. Lord I don't understand it all. But I know that I need you. I know that Christ died on the cross for my sin." Will you rescue me? Will you make me a Christian? Will you help me to live under your leadership? Father, we thank you that when we turn to you with all our questions and doubts, but call on you for mercy, that you hear and you answer. So, Lord, will you work amongst us today. And we pray this for Christ's sake. Amen. Now, as the musicians come up just before we sing, let me just say that if you pray that prayer, that is the first step of your journey to get right with God and to bother with Jesus. But you'll need some help just like a newborn baby needs help. So if you prayed that prayer, why don't you tell Ben? You've seen Ben up front here, perhaps you haven't met him. Uh, You can email him, you can WhatsApp him, you can speak to him afterwards and say, I prayed that prayer, and then Ben will get you some literature, he will help you to take the next step in your journey in following Jesus. Will you do that? It's so important that you take that next step. Let's stand and sing our loss him in Christ alone.